Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men with power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane! Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it just is. It just is. Especially when you get the audio version of AB Live. This one, episode 52. Raw, uncensored, and unfiltered. Just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. We were joined by Scott Smith and David Hyatt Bickle. Two individuals who know their ancient and modern Gnosticism. Why should we care about some ancient mystics crushed under the jackboot of orthodoxy? The answer is in the question. Their liberating ideas were too dangerous for civilizations that denied individuality and spiritual freedom. We comb through various Gnostic sects for insights more relevant than ever in a culture collapsing under the dark spell of Archons. As a bonus for patrons and AB Prime members, I'll include our interview with Mark Gaffney, author of Gnostic Secrets of the Nessenes. 
Along with the Ophites and other groups, the Nassenes were part of the serpent-worshipping Gnostic sect. We delve into the mysticism of the dangerous serpent worshippers, understanding how their forbidden message is also relevant today. A truly mind-blowing interview. I'm so grateful to those who support this Red Pill Cafeteria, and I hope I have been a good servant of Sophia to you. Your support and company keep me going. Don't forget the Finding Hermes program and my voiceover availability. Whether it's an audiobook, commercial, podcast, video game, or any type of audio broadcast, I can bring starry results to your project. As mentioned in the interview, you can now tip via Stripe, since many of you use it, found in the show notes of any audio podcast. And you can join the simple but effective Red Circle RSS feed that works in the podcast provider of your choice. This will give you all full shows and bonuses. We need Gnosis more than ever, needless to say. You won't find this high quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom or guests and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. Enough of my short drivel. <laughs> Let us to our latest AB Live. Write your own gospel, live your own myth, even as the empire never ended. We are live. Uh, welcome to the desert of the real. Welcome to Aeon Bite, specifically AB Live. Uh, here, yes, we live in a world where men still have nipples and Birdie Num Num. Peter Sellers is still wearing brown face in the party. But Peter Sellers is the greatest actor of all times. I mean, I think... Uh, what he did in Dr. Strangelove is unparalleled, and no actor could have matched it. And uh, I always think that Peter Sellers in The Pink Panther single-handedly destroyed French culture. It went from the French were the most noble and sophisticated to they were bumbling and fools, and ne they never recovered. But this, this is... a. Uh, this is uh, it's what is in my head. The mind forged manacles of Blake and the fantasies and narratives I like to put in my head. And I hope your fantasies and narratives are just as rewarding and enriching. So great to have everybody here. And uh, let's see, we got people starting to go into the chat room. As always, you know the drill. Good to see you, occult fan, Jasmine. Trash Pope, Gnostic Anarchist, and everybody else. But if you have questions today, you know the drill. If you uh, do a super chat, you will definitely have your question answered. If uh, you have a question, any who, please type it in all caps or put a lot of question marks so Vance can get to them. And uh, we will get to them, and it's a very exciting show. 
uh, as one of the taglines for Aeon Byte, and I tend to not use it as often as I can, but it is in the website, is uh, bringing uh, modern meaning from ancient mysteries or from ancient mysteries to modern connections. And uh, many of us feel there must be some way out of here, like the Joker and the Thief, but we also feel very strongly that there is still a lot of value in the ancient ideas of the Gnostics or the classical Gnostics from those early times and throughout history. Valuable ideas, and as I say, these are Gnostic times, and their ideas seem to resonate even better as we live in this uh, simulation, this uh, shadowy time, the surveillance state where this wickedness in high places seems to be pulling the strings and uh, humanity seems to be uh, collapsing more and more into ignorance. So that will be the theme today, and I hope it is rewarding to all of you here at the Virtual Alexandria. So with us today, we've got Scott Smith, and he seems to have a vacuum cleaner somewhere in the background, if I can hear it. Uh, but Scott, uh, yeah, the, the usual Scott fan. Uh, gee, it's been, and most of the audience knows who you are. You've been a reoccurring guest. It's always fun having you. Uh, it's always a blast doing the Halloween special, but it's been, what, 2014 since it came yes. out with God Reconsidered, right? Right. Right. And we've, um, we've done Halloween ever since, and the Sacred Cows 2 is coming up. That is true. So, when are you going to give us a new book? I keep thinking you're going to release the, <laughs> well, the Gnosis of Kamala Harris, or I was secretly a Trump supporter this whole time, or something like that, Scott. Well, I, I actually wrote a 10,000 word blog called My Adventures in Journalism just to get on coast to coast again. I've got my seventh interview coming up on uh, Wednesday the 16th. Uh, it's just a news hook um, to take advantage of the, uh, the UFO brouhaha. So uh, that's got to be uh, my book for the moment. And it has a lot about UFOs, uh, Aeon Bite, and uh, Paranormal, and all that other weird stuff. And incidentally, that was the coolest intro video I have ever seen. So I think you should stick with it for a time or two. It's the AB Live intro, that's for sure. And uh, some things I need to tweak. If anybody's interested in the music, it is from the Battlestar Galactica uh, TV series, the latest reboot. So the, the, the soundtrack is just very good. And, of course, Scott will know that the creator were Mormons, and it's yes. supposed to be this metaphor of the Mormons going to the promised land or whatever the hell. Well, it makes us look respectable. <laughs> yeah that is true that is true awesome and with us we've got david hyatt uh, and I, i'm sorry is it bickle or bickel uh bickle bickle well david hyatt, it's uh, all right well it's awesome to have you here uh for the first time why don't you tell the audience briefly about yourself or how you became interested in these ancient heretics the gnostics all right I'm one of the moderators of the, of the Facebook group called Christian Gnosticism, and he wrote that analysis and critique of Jay Meyer's debate with Scott Smith in 2019, uh, which Scott really appreciated, and it <laughs> took me hours upon hours to do, but it was totally worth it. Uh, I'm also a poet, 
and an author. What? Oh yeah, and I have a YouTube channel called uh, Valentinus777, where I do mainly Manichaean scriptures. And now that's how I'm going to move on to how I became a Gnostic. Yeah. Um, originally, when I was 12, when I began interested in religion, I went to mainly... David, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. Could you speak up just a little bit? The audience says you're a little faded compared to the rest of us. Oh, okay. I tried to or come a little closer to the mic. Yeah. Um, originally, I was part of mainstream Christianity when I was uh, about 12 and 13 because I felt that calling, a uh, spiritual calling. So I decided to go towards that. But over time, I, it just became really spiritually dry. It, for me, it just seems to be all dogmas and little to do with everyday life, going to church every week, repeating the Nicene Creed, you know, that kind of stuff. And I came up with some questions like, how could, Ad, how could Adam and Eve be held morally accountable in the tree from the tree of knowledge of good and evil since they didn't know the difference between good and evil before they ate the fruit and other questions like that so i moved to the new age movement because at the time i thought that was the more logical thing so i moved to that which worked for a time but what happened was that i felt really dissatisfied as well but in a different way and during that time i was studying many many religions and i wanted to find which one makes the most sense and eventually i found gnostic christianity since i was interested in early christianity which made a ton of sense to me and utterly fascinated me And I realized that mainstream Christianity was missing the divine wisdom called Sophia. And the New Age movement was missing the Logos, divine reason. Uh, Sophia is more about meditation, you know, healing, that kind of stuff. And the Logos is more book knowledge, ritual. Yeah, rituals, religious scriptures, theology. And I think Gnostic Christianity really came through that it has both of these qualities that I think mainstream Christianity and the New Age men were both missing. And also Gnostic Christianity answered a lot of my questions such as about Adam and Eve and I realised that um, that story was more about the Demiurge trying to keep Adam and Eve in spiritual ignorance. And also, right. it can, it's sort of the problem of evil, which which is one of my biggest gripes with the religion. And thus, the Christian answered that this world was isn't created and isn't controlled by the true God, but by the Demiurge, by an evil God. So that really satisfied me, and yeah, that's basically where I've been since. Awesome, and thanks for sharing. And we've got the Moondog Vance. Vance, how are you doing today on this Saturn day? Oh, not too bad for a Saturn day. 
sitting here waiting for the festivities to continue. <laughs> uh, well, let's do it, man. Talking about festivities, I've got, it's like, I was thinking three months ago, I'd walk out and it was a foot of snow minus 10. Now today it's in the 90s and it is brutal heat. You can feel it through the wall. So uh, love how the Midwest has such an extreme in weather. Uh, go to California, but then it's California, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it got all this. California. Yeah, yeah. But when it pours, man, it pours. Oh, boy. But we uh, have somebody, wildfires. Yeah, that is true. true. Rolling blackouts, uh, Newsome, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Oh, boy. Awesome, awesome. And for a uh, little housekeeping, um, for the audience, please don't forget that I am now on Rockfin and Odyssey. This show will be uploaded or will appear in both places in, in their entireties. That's because some people like to, uh, well, some people like to... Um, provide uh, assistance or support with crypto in other ways, and this is an option. And to be honest, these places are much better when it comes to uh, free speech. God knows when YouTube will come down hard on all of us. I already have a strike. I think one more strike and I'm done. So, uh, yeah, I got to watch out with this. what I say. Nobody say that virus thingy or anything or anything like that because you never know. But please, and you see the ticker right now, you've got Rockfin and Odyssey if you want to go there. Uh, don't forget, we do have uh, the merch store. I'm going to try to do a screen share. Uh, share a screen. Oh, my God, I'm getting all these instructions about the screen share. Do, 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 do. To share. All right. Do you guys see the screen? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, but for some reason, I can't. Now I can't get my own. Yeah, that's my uh, desktop. Where is? Okay. Now I've got my folder. Now I've got my Outlook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not working at all with my thing. All right. Well, never mind. We'll try that later. Looks like we got a glitch here with uh, with the StreamYard software. Anyway, uh, why don't we talk about the value of ancient Gnosticism and why it's relevant today? Scott, uh, just out of curiosity, have you changed your mind about any issues, or how do you see Gnosticism stack up philosophically against other spiritual paths? And more important, as we've discussed this before, uh, why is it even relevant today? I mean, it's just some uh, dead mystics who got their asses kicked in history. Well, I've spent the last 32 years thinking about this uh, ever since I had my Gnosis experience. And um, I was not given the truth, if you will, on a silver platter. Uh, I was left uh, uncertain what I was supposed to do with this. So um, I've traveled the world with Sandra. I've uh, benefited from my son Chris's input. He's studying to be a member of the Gnostic clergy. And I've tried to bring my critical thinking from business journalism to analyze a lot of seemingly unrelated things like uh, psychology, medicine. Um, I've covered the paranormal, comparative religion. And we've had a chance to experience religions in many other countries. 
And what I decided is that um, Gnosticism has absolutely no competition for the accuracy of its description of reality in the basic concepts. But it's about 2,000 years old, and so uh, we do need to update it with a little bit of science. So I wanted to mention something that has been evolving since I published the book. Um, and um, I do have a blog on this for people who want to look up the footnotes. Um, if you go to godreconsider.com and click on the Facebook uh, discussion link, um, the 10th the blog is Big Questions Religions Ignore. And um, I don't think classical Gnosticism has answered some of these because they didn't know, um, for example, about evolution. Um, there is now uh, increasingly, since I published the book, evidence that of unintelligent design and evolution. Um, I mean, it was 600 mil million years long. Certainly no entities or aliens were coaching it along. Um, you, it was quite possible that evolution occurred uh, just at the cellular level. There's a lot of evidence for cellular intelligence, but you could call uh, the collective intelligence at that level um, the demiurge. Or you could say that there were entities, and I believe there were, who um, tried to intervene at various points. Um, this explains a lot of things that um, the ancient Gnostics didn't know about. For example, they knew that uh, Jehovah declared creation very good. They didn't know that 99% of all species have gone extinct. They, did, they knew of the, the um, tragedy of childhood death, but they didn't know what we know now, which is 25% of the 100 billion people who have been born died in childhood. So that kind of throws out the window of this mainstream religious notion that we're here for spiritual purposes. Um, the As Heller, Bishop uh, Stefan Heller of Ecclesia Gnostica, which is my church, has said, every mainstream religion blames humans for the, uh, the fact that uh, there's so much tragedy in life. Only Gnosticism says it's not the creatures, it's the creators. And um, when you look at the conventional explanations for all the tragedy in the world, the unnecessary suffering, you know, it's blamed on free will or karma. You really wonder what earthquakes and COVID have to do with that. Or um, a common response is, well, we learn from adversity. Yes, if you were molested or you survived the Holocaust, maybe you got something positive out of it. The worst explanations are the new age one. Uh, it's all good. We just don't know God's plan. God needed the experience, in which case he really is Jehovah or Satan. Uh, and the, the dumbest one of all, it's all an illusion. Uh, so the reason I am emphasizing this is I think if we accept the idea of entities guiding the process of evolution, it solves a lot of things. Uh, David Waltham's Lucky Planet says, uh, and I think he does a good argument here. Um, he says, yes, there are 88 billion estimated planets uh, with that might be habitable, but every part of the process of evolution took millions of years, and you can't link all these together and come out with humans with uh, just based on accident. 
I think the uh, myth of Sophia um, depicts um, an effort to pursue forbidden knowledge, perhaps a, an experiment at creating life in a, in a dimension where it is very difficult for spirits to operate. And we can kind of see that because there's very little supernatural intervention by the forces of good or evil. And I think this intervention is what triggered evolution. It would explain, if it was an accident, why it's been so bloody. Uh, the rare intervention of the good guys and the bad guys would be explained. As I like to say, it's not just the UFOs that don't land on the White House lawn. It's Virgin Mary. She doesn't, hasn't been around for a while, but occasionally she pops up. It would also explain inequality. You know, I, I don't think we can say that everybody who suffers from 7,000, uh, some of the 7,000 genetic diseases uh, deserves it. Um, it explains the universal chaos, um, you know, hurricanes, volcanoes. Uh, it's not all part of a plan. It's not due to karma. Um, now, from our 21st century perch in this ivory tower, you know, we can't really appreciate the fact that history was mostly a bunch of illiterate people who were barely uh, surviving. They didn't have a lot of time to pursue spiritual stuff. And today, you could say, uh, you know, that a third of our lives are spent in sleeping. A third of our lives were either commuting to work, working, or studying for subjects that, let's say, engineering, that don't seem to have a lot of application to an afterlife. And the other third were on social media, were shopping, eating, taking care of the yard, you know, all the other distractions. So uh, there's a Gnostic argument there that we are being intentionally distracted it's we're not put here because we're destined to from, because you know we're on our 25th uh life to gain some good karma uh, the good news about all this is the gnostics were ultimately optimistic uh there is an afterlife the mystery religions which gnostic was one uh said that once you get it once you get that enlightenment you no longer have a fear of death and I've discussed this with Heller, and he agrees that everybody survives into afterlife, but they go into different levels of consciousness. It's kind of a self-sorting process, and there's a chance to advance in the afterlife, too. So that's kind of what I've learned in, since 2014 when the, the book came out, kind of the core idea. Awesome. Yes, I think we are in a prison planet, uh, Philip K. Dick world, whatever you want to call it, the Matrix, the Black Iron Prison, Mithra's abode, if uh, Jason Reza Drujani is listening, uh, whatever you want to call it. And I always like this blogger. Uh, he was talking about the parallels between Gnosticism and love, the Lovecraft mythos, and they are a lot of parallels, but he said... Uh, most religions ask how can evil come into the war um, how could evil come into the world gnosticism asks how can good come into the world so it's that rescue operation of sophia that it really stressed regardless of how bad you see the world and what about you david was uh uh like you said the issues of iniquity satisfied you and sent you do you feel we are trapped in a sort of a, a simulation do you have a softer view of uh this world more towards the valentinians and the hermetis hermeticists sorry or more uh, like the sethians 
I, I personally consider myself more in line with the Sethians than the Vantinians because the way I see it, this world is filled with so much evil and you know, unintelligent desire design the holocaust disease like all manners of unspeakable stuff and i think sethianism comes the closest compared to other and also manichaeanism as well mm-hmm. comes the closest at explaining it um valentinianism like does kind of explain it like oh this world was created by a flawed creator but i feel they kind of take a more softer approach to make it more approachable to people because um i mean even back then people were like the world is so beautiful how can you think this is an evil creation <laughs> and i think the valentinians offered and other gnostics offered a way of somewhat of a compromise so they can accept it but also not be completely put off by it then that's my opinion and also the idea of karma which exists in almost all eastern religions has a lot of logical flaws i think as scott explained in his fabulous book so, then the core problem we face is not capitalism, patriarchy, religious fundamentalism, disease, global warming, you know. I actually thought about this a long time ago. The core problem is existence itself, like physical existence. Yes. Because existence is a source of all these things. All those things I've mentioned is a byproduct of existence not something that came separately from existence. And so existence itself is the central problem. Mm-hmm. And I think Gnostic Gnosticism offers a way of answering that and saying, look, yet existence is fundamentally flawed and will probably always be flawed. And there's, there's only lim- limited things we can do. And it offers hope of a, a world of light, a perfect world where many of these problems don't exist and actually gives hope and joy that other religions don't really give in the same manner. Other religions would either say, well, this world is actually good. You can't see it. It's unknown. It's a mystery. Or this world will become good, but we're not going to explain how or why. So that's my opinion on it. I think that's really well said. Uh, and yeah, I would definitely agree. And uh, yeah, for those in the chat, let me say all hail Yok Sototh. I'm, I'm covering all my bases with the gods these days, especially <laughs> you know, if the Gnostics would wear <laughs> gems of Michael and other demiurges to keep the bad guys away. I'm just going to say Yok Sototh, please don't show up to my house today. <laughs> but um, yeah, and uh, it should be mentioned too as we are, uh, you know, we're t- the three of us were talking about, yeah, the fallen state of this existence and the demented creator and all that. Uh, and you, David, mentioned the Manichaeans. There is an incredible joy in their writings. I mean, the Manichaeans are so happy 
They did hymns. They were artists, the Cathars, uh, the Sethians in Alexandria. They were really admired. They were known as the good people. It's not like they were around uh, like Johnny Rotten breaking cars and flipping off the queen or something like that. There's a joy in finding out this truth. It's like I tell people, so the greatest news I ever got was when I finally accepted that I was an alcoholic. That meant I was destroyed. I was a mess. The world I'd created around me was chaos. But now I could, uh, what do they say? Uh, how do you know you've hit rock bottom? You stop digging. Now I could start going to the light. In Gnosticism, it says, look, only till you accept how fallen this world is can you do something to fix it. If not, you're just sort of... Uh, well, jacking off in the wind or something. That's, that's the way it is. Amen. So, Amen. Amen. Yeah, Amen. yeah. But so far, hey, we've gone half an hour without a disagreement or fight, Scott. This could be a record. I'll start uh, one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> sooner or later, you're going to play the Demiurge. Awesome, awesome. Well, I got another question so we can get into sex. But anything on your end, Vance, comment or question from the audience, the, the meat sacks and the hylicks and the nomadics down there? Oh, yeah, we got a couple of questions, and, you know, uh, all of a sudden it occurred to me, the beginning of the universe, what would happen if we took a bunch of monkeys and gave them the capability to make stuff? <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaur, <laughs> dinosaurs are so, yeah, dinosaurs are so boring. Let's go with monkeys with tools this time. Yeah, I like what David said about, you know, existence, uh, you know, is inherently, you know, flawed. But, you know, the problem is that, infinite existence has to contain all possibilities so one of the possibilities is flaws so it's you know you can't have existence well let's put it this way if you had an existence that was totally good and light and wonderful and there's no conflict i think it would bore itself to death i think and then eventually you know if you had separate entities they'd all wish each other away and there'd be one left and then they'd be bored so <laughs> that's that's uh, that's kind of my quick take on it. So, yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, that's what Jung said. Uh, God has a shadow. He's God's shadow is the Old Testament. Yeah, so. and we are His shadows too. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> he is Sophia's shadow, and then she becomes His shadow as she mm -hmm. tries to thwart him. You know, remind him. So yeah, yeah, because hey, you know, Sophia, uh, you know, created well her consort. Well, you know, possibilities. There was great with the consort great without the concert you know you know you got to have both sides otherwise you know um the the, the all-knowing god wouldn't know what it's like for something to create without it right of course you know it's kind of a funny thing uh talk about illusions you can't really create anything without the concert because the all-encompassing one everything's made of it anyway so, and everything that happens is because of it so really, it's a matter of relative consciousness and all that stuff. But Jason Chambers had a question. Um, do the Gnostics talk about reincarnation? Of course, we know that they do. If it is so possible to have a planet of Buddhas, like all karma is paid and everyone is good. Hey, I didn't just talked about that, didn't I? So um, what's the gang uh, who wants to answer that one? Planet I of Buddhas. Yeah, let's go with the Buddhists. I don't know, Scott. The reincarnation, we've, we've beaten that. Uh, you know, yeah. Or we can touch upon it later. We've talked a lot about reincarnation. Yeah, the, um, yeah. let's not go back to my debate with uh, John Winter and repeat 
everything I said. Yeah, there. yeah, go to, yeah, go um, see Scott and John Munter. They both yeah. very uh, balanced and full view of reincarnation from yeah. all sides. Um, the thing I have a chapter um, in my book on Buddhism, and as fabulous as the Dalai Lama is, there are many, many philosophical problems with Buddhism. Um, first of all, it doesn't, they don't really believe that there's an enduring spirit or soul. Um, the, uh, as um, uh, one of the great Buddhist scholars said, um, it's basically a magnetized karma that goes from life to life. And uh, that can be easily disproven with the new evidence about near-death experiences. Um, the the problem, as I've explained before, with any kind of concept of karma is back to what I just said about the chaos of the universe. And, you know, we're, again, we're, we're really isolated from reality. You know, um, you if you think that coming into this world is part of spiritual progress, you know very little about human history and prehistory. I mean, um, the... You know, it wasn't that long ago that a third of Europe was uh, died from the Black Plague. You know, Jehovah was busy issuing his 600 commandments and forgot to mention that there were germs, you know. Uh, he didn't so, tell him to wear masks. And yeah, you know, I just, no, just... <laughs> or maybe maybe it was Moses's fault. It was in that first set of commandments that he threw away, you know. And, <laughs> in any event, the bottom line is... Um, you know, you could say Buddhism is the best alternative and you can make uh, comparisons uh, with Mahayana Buddhism and so forth. But um, ultimately, in my long search for truth, I had problems with it, both Hinduism, which I, I'm closer to. I have a long relationship. I've been to India. But um, I found all of them wanting in serious ways in comparison with what I would broadly call a Gnostic path. And, we can get into a definition of gnosis in our discussion here as to which groups might belong to that. But yeah, I uh, was disappointed in Buddhism. Yeah. And, uh, you can certainly talk about that. Yeah. I guess, uh, now moving on to the Gnostic sex and maybe we should bring up uh, Marcion and the Marcionites. And I think yeah. Sometimes people forget that the Gnostics were out there and they were a direct threat to the Orthodox Church. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Church Father said Simon Magus was the father of all heresies, the, the font of evil and magic and all that. But Marcion was a big deal because he was part of the church and he was the first Christian to decide that the, that the Christian theology should be co codified and that there should be a Bible, a measuring stick. So he brought uh, the letters of Paul and Luke, uh, not without the, since he thought Jesus just came from the sky, didn't have the, the birth narrative. And he said, this is it. And Marcion was sort of like, uh, I don't know, like um, Mitt Romney or Don, Donald Trump. He, he basically bought himself to become a bishop. He just funded his own uh, campaign up the church, but his ideas were too radical for the church and they kicked him out. And of course, his ideas was, his his one of his main radical ideas was the two god theology in which he said mm -hmm. uh there were two gods now he didn't have the idea of um the sethians of a demented demiurge yaldabaoth or the valentinians was sort of a platonic nice but still ignorant demiurge his 
He simply said the God of the Old Testament is a just God, but he is for the Jews. He's picked the Jews and all these uh, nations have their own God, but there is a supreme higher God. But I don't know if you could say he's Gnostic because uh, after all, he uh, with Marcion, we humans didn't even have a divine spark. This uh, through a sort of predestination, Augustine predestination, this supreme God might go to some people and send an avatar like Jesus and say, "You have a chance to become to go up to the Pleroma if we pick you and you listen to me." He didn't have an idea of Sophia, divine feminine. He didn't have an idea of Gnosis and. And even then, it's very unfair because we have absolutely not one writing for Marcion, even though he scared also the, the shit out of the church in those early times mm -hmm. and they hated him. But uh, what do you think, Scott? I, I don't know if I could call Marcion Gnostic without some more evidence. Well, first of all, before we get into Marcion, let's back up a minute because the idea that he didn't have Gnosis, I, I think is due to the fact that we've we've gotten this idea that it's a mystical experience and it's uh you're part of god and connected to god and so forth and i think this is a little um kind of confusing first of all um i had a dramatic two dramatic mystical experiences and um when i joined heller's church um he kept saying don't expect a mystical experience. It's more likely to come from gradual enlightenment. And, uh, you know, and I started thinking, gee, human beings really haven't fundamentally changed in 2000 years. Why should we not be having so many mystical experiences? But sure enough, when I started talking with people, not a lot of people in the Gnostic movement seem to have that. Um, when I started reading uh, April de Conic's fabulous The Gnostic New Age, which incidentally does show the positive side of Gnosticism, um, she was talking about this dramatic Gnosis uh, connection with the divine and everything uh, in the case of very, very small groups. Remember, um, most of the mass movements, not just the Marcionite church, which filled the entire Roman Empire. People don't really realize that. And it lasted until the 8th century in northern Greece. It was by far the greatest threat to the emerging Roman Catholic Church of anything ever in Christianity. Um, in fact, it was so well organized and so efficient um, that the Roman Catholic Church literally copied every part of its organization except for that little footnote about women should be priests because Marcion believed in the equality of women. Um, the, uh, you know, yeah, and the, it should uh, be mentioned the church hated Paul oh, until well, they had to appropriate right. him. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and, that, and that is another point. Um, as amazingly enough, Deconic says, hey, if you really read Paul closely, He's very Gnostic. In fact, she goes further than most scholars, and she would say some of the letters that people don't think he wrote actually were legitimate. Um, mm. But then, you know, there's um, Elaine Pagels, the Gnostic Paul. Um, there, uh, Valentinus said he received his legacy from a disciple of Paul. Um, whatever you think about Paul, um, the his impact on Christianity 
uh, of all types was extraordinary. He was basically responsible for the New Testament. Uh, the scholars I've read uh, have said if it wasn't for Marcion, uh, that Paul would have been left out of the New Testament entirely. Um, but um, but there's something else I want to go back to on this idea that he didn't have gnosis. Um, when you look at the mass movements, they didn't have individual gnosis. It's not really just Marcion. Uh, the Manichees, the Cathars, the Valentinians, they would emphasize esoteric knowledge, whether it was transmitted one-on-one uh, or it was transmitted the same way that Marcion spread his gospel, which was preaching. Remember, everybody was illiterate. Uh, we don't have diaries from the average peasant who was a Marcionite or a Manichaean, okay? Uh, we, they didn't have videos, you know. Basically, um, what did they teach? Well, they taught the esoteric knowledge of the two gods. We can quibble because all the Gnostic groups disagreed with each other on the details. Many of them did believe in predestination, which I don't think is correct. But the, the bottom line is that when you get down to it, the most important step to getting out of the prison is to recognizing it is a prison. God didn't create the prison, the high God. Once you recognize that there, that the creator, um, is flawed and that we are being trapped, then once that opens your eyes, you can't shut your eyes. Once that gets in your head that God is not benevolent, God is not all good, that is the most radical, revolutionary, uh, subversive idea in religious history. And that's what Marcion had. But he had other things that are related to the Gnostics, which you'll recognize. Uh, he was apocalyptic, like most of them were. Um, the, you know, he pointed out that, that the God of the Old Testament could not be omniscient because he was walking in Eden trying to find Adam, for example. He believed the world was created by what he called the archons. Uh, you referred to the docetic body, the kind of illusory body. He believed in that. Um, his ideas um, about prayer were kind of similar to the direct connection with God in that um, God the Father will hear our prayers. Um, you know, we, we don't believe in Advaita Vedanta. I know some of the Gnostics thought only their, their souls would survive into the afterlife and, and so forth. But But we're not part of God literally with no personal identity. So if you accept the idea that prayer to the Father can be answered, maybe with the help of Jesus, um, that is a kind of connection there. But most important is something that April DeConnick points out and Heller points out. Uh, the, the ecstasy, the mystical experience did not incur individually in ancient times. Uh, he said, um, as Heller has said, it's not do it yourself. The indwelling spark must be awakened by saving knowledge that comes from without. And by without, he meant somebody like Jesus, uh, the rituals, which, uh, deconic emphasizes of baptism, the casalamentum, uh, the Eucharist, uh, the ritual meals with the Cathars and so forth. Um, it was in a ritual context that people really 
uh, kind of got that mystical experience. And today's uh, Gnostics really, you know, were scattered. Now, where there are some online uh, things that you can access, uh, Deconic in her book details a lot of the rituals. And for that matter, you can go to a Roman Catholic service, you can get the Gnostic text for it, and just kind of go along with it. Because one of the founders of the Theosophical Society said that um, he could see psychic, psychic energy rising at a Catholic service. So the last thing I just want to say about Marcion, because I think he's really been underappreciated. Um, you know, I don't know if Gnosticism would have survived without, uh, he built an incredible number of churches, uh, the oldest Christian church that still has an inscription, 300, 318 in Damascus is a Marcionite church. And um, one other little tidbit I got from this book um, by E.T. Blackman, Marcion and his influence, Franz Kafka headed a revival of the Marcionite church in Prague around the turn of the century. Now, what lessons does it have? Number one, um, they went out of business because they were celibate. Don't set up a celibate (laughs) church. Uh, The positive thing is, you know, be a missionary, be organized. As DeConnick said, they had assemblies, they were organized. You know, we're, we're too libertarian and independent, and we don't realize the value of community, which is really what Inner Sanctum is about. Well said indeed. And yeah, I think, but I think Heller really talked, you still have to have an experience. I know uh, Gnostics is an ecstatic religion, but of course, ecstasy doesn't mean you've got your eyeballs up your head and, you know, it's spread out, but it is still an altering of your consciousness. To yes, see but the, uh, he would, Heller would say that's what the Eucharist is supposed to be. If that works for you, yes, you can have an experience with it. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's alchemy, spiritual alchemy. So, yeah. uh, and David, what about you? What do you have to say about uh, uh, Marcion or Gnosis or the the experience of Gnosis? Right, uh, I just a lot to go through the Marcion Church and Gnosis. <laughs> Uh, the chair is yours. The floor is yours, my friend. Right. Uh, the Marcion Church expanded greatly within Marcion's lifetime, becoming a major rival to the emerging Catholic Church, uh, as Scott said. Uh, after his death, it retained its following and survived Christian controversy and imperial uh, disapproval for several centuries. A fun fact. Even Islamic writers in the 10th century wrote of the Marcionites. Uh, The 10th century Muslim biographer, I'm going to butcher the name, Ibn Nadim, goes so far as to claim that the Marcionites are are numerous and that they are practiced openly, like the Manichaeans. States of the Marcionites taught two principles, good and evil. Justice is the third principle between the two. It should be noted by the Islamic time, the mainstream church already persecuted and suppressed the Marcionites, turning them to only, you know, not a gigantic size. Uh, Also, the Islamic, the Muslims at the time viewed Marcionites very negatively, even more so than mainstream Christianity, because it, again, it attributed creation the world to 
you know, to an evil god, which they would see as blasphemous because they would see it as blasphemy against Allah. And also denied the Old Testament prophets, which, you know, uh, Islam is would be totally against since Islam claims descent from uh, the Old Testament prophets like Moses, Noah, Abraham, so on. Um, I think the Mass United Church grew because they solved the problem of evil, uh, as stated before, and rejected the problematic nature of the Old Testament because uh, it may so it's got incompatible with you know the true god like jesus like teachings of love kindness forgiveness and also i don't think scott mentioned this but the mass unites were apparently if the church fathers are to be believed were the most rigid of ascetics uh abstaining from marriage wine and they also rejoice beyond all other sects in the number of their martyrs, interestingly enough. I think the decline of the Marcionites was, again, due to the growing power and influence of, mainstream of the mainstream Christian church, which persecuted and suppressed the Marcionites. Unfortunately, little is known of Marcionite practices and specifics of their of his of Masson's theology, so it's really hard to say if he was really a Gnostic or if he was some sort of pseudo Gnostic or something. Particularly concerning salvation, since it's hard to say whether he believed in salvation through Gnosis or not. Uh, my theory is they could have had a very similar practice to the later Cathars. Which Cathar show that like a strong influence from the Massionites, where a specific ritual, like the Consolamentum, which granted the Holy Spirit to be to descend on the person, and which grants them a divine understanding and a divine knowledge, or gnosis. So it may have been something like that. What else? Um, I think, I think even if Marcin wasn't a Gnostic, I think he was still a very wise and influential man who modern Gnostics can learn from. I think he is to Gnosticism what Clement of Alexandria or Oregon are to Orthodox Christianity. Uh, Clement and Oregon had many unorthodox beliefs, but they're still respected in the mainstream church for being wise men. That in the same way, Marcion can still be acknowledged as a wise and educated man, despite not being a fully Gnostic. And concerning uh, the Gnosis, uh, I'm going to have to disagree with Scott here. Uh, I see Gnosis as being chiefly from experience, like a mystical experience, because that's what distinguished it from uh, faith. And doctrines. I think even Valentinus had a vision. I think I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote Valentinus on this on his mystical vision. I saw a newborn child and questioned it to find out who it was, and the child answered me saying, "I am the Word." So it seems to me that 
hypnosis was widely, as a mystical experience, was widely accepted. I think what may cause misunderstanding is that the word gnosis, because I think what's got to keep in mind is, like, back in the day, gnosis just meant knowledge. Like, intellectual, it can be any type of knowledge. Uh, intellectual knowledge, experimental knowledge, you know. So I think that may cause a misunderstanding between, yes, the Gnostics preach a secret knowledge, like an oral knowledge that's passed down, uh, but they also preach another type of knowledge that one can attain by learning from the uh, from the oral knowledge, which can be attained. And I think, I think the teaching about faith and gnosis at the heart of this dispute between the Gnostics and the Orthodox, particularly Irenaeus. Uh, the Gnostic criticize Irenaeus's rigid emphasis on dogma and pistis alone, you know, faith alone, at the expense of gnosis. In their view, Irenaeus's Christianity was unspiritual and offered only the low, worst psychic level of salvation where they themselves obtained the higher mnemonic salvation, and they used Paul's mystical experience. I think much like all Gnostics who like believed in Paul used Paul as an example of of attaining mystical knowledge or gnosis because Paul had a myth, as you all know, had a mystical experience. So of Gnosis, and they seem to use that as an example, and how Gnosis is clearly distinct from faith and doctrines. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's what I have to say about it. I think that's well said, and thank you very much. Well, uh, for those of you who are joining us, the chat room is uh, bustling. Uh, I don't know if is Nate still around, because he's cracking me up with his jokes today. He's got it going. But um, we have Scott Smith and David Hyatt Bickle to discuss the relevance of Gnosticism today. I think we've already hit on some good points. I think I'm going to try my sheen, my sheen, my Charlie Sheen. No, my share screen. Let's see if this works. Just for a little housekeeping. Share. Okay. Do you guys see this? Just in case the merch store is going very well, we're going to actually soon add a shirt that says Not Today Archons. But for those of you interested, we got some good um, Aeon Bide merch. I need to get one of these. What are they? I call them wife beaters. My wife gets angry. I think you call them tank tops in, the, in politi more politically correct terms. But you've got different iterations of Aeon Bide. Uh, heresy shouldn't be this much fun. Inner Sanctum whole bunch of Sophia stuff, simping for Sophia. So if you get a chance and you want to give your local pastor or mullah or orthodox rabbi a, a gift, this is the perfect place to get it. So thought I'd share that with you. Uh, the other thing, I too, I wanted to talk about, some of you have said... Um, you want uh, you you want uh, just a good private RSS feed, something you can put in your podcast provider. You're not too worried about the archives or the inner sanctum group and all that. So 
with uh, the podcast provider Red Circle. And I know this is really long, so I'll have it on the show notes. Uh, we have a new private RSS feed. It's uh, cheaper than AB Prime or Patreon, and all you get is a RSS feed you could put on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and you'll get the last 100 shows or so on your feed. Uh, again, it's really easy. Uh, sometimes a lot of you tell me, well, Patreon's too complicated. I hate it. AB Prime, too. There's too much. This is easy. You'll get a link, put it on your podcast provider, and bang, you'll get uh, Aeon Byte full shows fed to you. Also, too, on the all RSS feeds, there is a choice if you want a tip. Uh, it's uh, just a link at the bottom of the description. So anybody wants to support there through Stripe, again, there's always so many bases you want to cover. Someone said, well, I only use Stripe online. I will not use PayPal or I will not use this. So now we have Stripe if you want a tip in the show notes on any of the podcast feeds. So just getting all this highly stuff out. But again, uh, please support. Please support independent uh, thinkers and writers, researchers like Scott and other podcasters. This is the, the golden era of alternative media. They're trying to shut us off, but we're hitting them fast and we're bringing them alternatives and uh, wider, deeper dimensions to the reality that the powers of V have tried to constrain us in for so long. Whew. All right. Uh, Vance, any questions from the audience or yourself or comments? You know, I wanted to comment on Gnosis. Here's some things that came to me about Gnosis. Um, many of the listeners know that I have had mystical experiences, so here's my experience. I think Gnosis is really a sense. It's not the knowledge itself. It's the fountain that spews the water out, not the fountain. It's it's a and when I get things that I consider, you know, gnosis as opposed to ordinary knowledge, there's a kind of there's a kind of light or love or something. It's similar to like when you love someone, that kind of kind of lit up feeling you get inside. And I associate that with something that's coming from beyond the ordinary. And it's it's a form of beauty too. So I think the ancient Gnostics had, I think it's endemic in all human beings. The ancient Gnostics had that too, but it's not all encompassing. When you get a piece of knowledge, it doesn't explain everything all at once. So people like Marcion, for example, he was important because he did have gnosis that the Old Testament didn't represent the real God. You know, I mean, that's pretty much all he did, right? I mean, he says, let's throw the Old Testament out. Let's dig all the Old Testament stuff out of the New Testament. And he made a purified um, New Testament, but uh, he didn't have all the other stuff, the cosmology, the cosmogony and all that stuff. So, um, and uh, another thing, finally, about, there was some discussion about God in the, in the chat room. And it's so common for us to talk about God as just a giant human being with a similar experience of being as we have, but that quickly falls apart if you think about it. So, you know, we all know about Genesis and the, the Yahweh not saying, where, where are they? You know, we, I can't see him. Where are you hiding? You know, he's like supposed to be omniscient. Well, what the hell? You know, well, that means that either it's not the real God, right? Or it's a very limited God that, you know, has the same kinds of limitations. Maybe he's a little more superpowered. So that's my comments. And um, Jason Chambers had another question. Uh, he's wondering, uh, in essence, um, 
since the Gnostics went to church, a lot of the Gnostics, of course, they didn't call themselves Gnostics back then. I think one group, what was the Sethians, maybe had that, but few, nobody yeah. else did. But the, the people that were, you know, uh, practicing or recipients of Gnosis didn't go to church all the time. How did they figure out which ones would come and which on a Sunday and which ones wouldn't come? He was wondering, and, you know, did they do this with Christ, you know, because uh, the different conceptions of Christ, some the Gnostics believe that, you know, Christ was not really physically present, you know, the, um, uh, what's the term, uh, you, you know what I mean, he, he wasn't real, he didn't experience yeah, suffering. Yeah, docetic. You know. Docetic, thank you, yeah. And um, uh, what was Thomas the master and not Jesus and so forth. So he's wondering um, who... Uh, if that was an issue back then, does anybody know about the ancient Gnostics and how they decided who to attend church this Sunday and who? Well, I think what he's talking about is, uh, I think in Alexandria, and uh, because again, the Gnostics were the inheritors along with the Hermetics of the ancient Egyptian mysteries. So you had sort of a hierophant and a, the sycophants who learned and he would guide him through the, or, or she would guide him it was mary magdalene through the mysteries uh and how to uh see the world philosophically and ascend up to the the archons and then these rituals came about uh but i think he's talking about marcus the magician in southern france in Lyons because he was the one who had the uh ritual of drawing lots and switching everybody would switch and it didn't and of course his church was actually uh -huh. women so one woman, so one week a woman would be the bishop and Marcus himself might be the, the altar boy or whatever. And then they would just all switch. It was very, uh, I don't want to call it democratic, very, uh, Vegas. Egalitarian or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're just going to switch places. So yeah, it could Scott, be David, anything on this? Well, the Valentinians initially infiltrated, you know, what were the churches. There was no Catholic church right then, but, um, and they would pick out people they thought would be receptive to the allegorical interpretation of uh, the scriptures. And they uh, would kind of build this uh, secret group within the congregations. Ultimately, they got kicked out. They made their own churches. But, you know, the thing about the Gnostics is they welcomed everybody. You know, it wasn't like... Um, you know, show us your baptismal certificate at the door. We won't let you in. Uh, Gnosticism by its nature is secret. You know, if you're not open to any of the facets of it, then you're not going to be receptive. You're, you're blind walking in. And I think that the kind of people who would attend a heretical church would be the more open-minded thinkers who weren't satisfied with the emerging Catholic Church, and um, you know the 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 Marcionite churches were were uh, and the Valentinian churches were around for a long time. Uh, Constantine banned them, incidentally, no more buildings for the heretics. So that kind of uh, limited what they could do. But you know they met in other places and so forth. But um, I don't think there was a whole lot of in any of these Gnostic movements a whole lot of concern about, you know, whether somebody had been fully initiated and so forth. Um, I don't know. I'm not a scholar, but, um, you know, there's certainly the, the biggest problem we have is that so many of the records uh, were destroyed, like of the Cathars. 
I mean, we basically have the, the testimony from torture, you know. And so there's a lot we don't know about the average Gnostic and how these, you know, the, the, the Catholic Church did a good job of suppression and destruction and kind of rewriting history. And there you have it, my beloved true seekers. The first part of our AB Live with Scott Smith and David Hyatt Bickle. Let's get into some Cathar and Manichaean lore now. As a bonus for patrons and AB Prime members, as I mentioned in the intro, I'll include our interview with Mark Gaffney, author of Gnostic Secrets of the Nessenes. Along with the Ophites and other groups, the Nassines were part of the serpent-worshipping Gnostic sects. We delve into the mysticism of the dangerous serpent worshippers, understanding how their forbidden message is relevant today as well. A truly mind-blowing interview. Yes, heresy is really so much damn fun. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. And yes, you can also now get a simple private RSS feed through Red Circle for less than five bucks a month. Check it out on the show notes. So please become an AB Prime member or patron or Red Circle subscriber for the full audio interview, as well as the bonus, and all to support this Red Bill cafeteria. Go to thegodabovegod.com for means to assist and get the infernal rewards. Or just message my ass. Whether it's Patreon or AB Prime member or Red Circle, it will cost you about a buck per episode. That's a deal of many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics and the Hermetics is more important than ever might be the only way to counteract the nutsack grip Yaldibaldius place on the collective consciousness of humanity. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 